Welcome to the Deliberate Leaders Podcast. I am Allison Dunn, your podcast host and executive business coach. Today's segment is part of our Gems of Idaho series, where we feature an Idaho deliberate leader who inspires us for a better, brighter future. Today's gem is Jay Maltinen. He is a versatile musician and accomplished business leader, co-CEO of Best Bath here in Boise, and a dedicated philanthropist. Jay is a multi-talented individual whose journey spans the realms of music, business, and community with a passion for arts, entrepreneurship, and giving back. Jay has carved a unique path that showcases his dedication, creativity, leadership, and commitment to making a positive impact here in Idaho. Jay, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. I love to kick these off with a deliberate conversation. What would be your number one leadership tip for our listeners today? My number one leadership tip would be um, serve those around you. Uh, The best advice I can give is the more we uplift those around us, the, the more the they lift uplift us and it's kind of a rising tide lifts all boats kind of uh, mantra and uh, i would say the more i've tried to serve others the more that they like the more that i get served when i try and be self-serving the less i get served and Reciprocity is an amazing law that happens and it's magical when it's like in, you know, in, in infinity where it nat- happens naturally. So that's a fantastic tip. Thank you. Um, so best bath. Um, I am assuming that everyone listening to this may know exactly what best bath is, but I would like for you to give kind of a high level view of um, what is best bath? Who is uh, what we do is we manufacture bathing solutions for um, commercial construction and residential um, construction, reno- both renovation and new construction. We found our niche by being a part of our, or well, I, I found my niche through family and serving the needs of my ailing grandmother who wanted to stay in her home. So we pioneered accessible bathing. And you guys are, I mean, you're a leading um, uh, manufacturer of units that allow for that, correct? Well, thank you. Um, Yes, uh, I'd like to, I'd like to think so. But um, yeah, we, we, the truth is, is we manufacture everything in Caldwell, Idaho, okay. and um, we just expanded into Tennessee. But and but we serve more of the population east of the Mississippi River than we do west, that's and that's that's pa- uh, mostly just because of the population, population. base and the needs, yeah. but. Yeah. Um, we've set up our strategy to accommodate a national-wide presence. Okay, that's fantastic. So distribution, I heard you out of Tennessee, correct? 
Did you say Tennessee? Caldwell. Yeah, we just uh yeah, um called uh Caldwell and we just moved into Sparta, Tennessee. Tennessee. Oh, that's fantastic. Congratulations on that. Um, you um, you hit on something that I think is going to make a really fun conversation for us. So um, I say I was raised in a family business and it was also a manufacturing company. So um, this is your family's business, correct? My father started it in 1969. Right. Yeah. And, I, um, and I'm the co-CEO with my sister. Okay. So and I can't do what I do without my sister. So I I'll just uh, give her a shout out right now. Uh, thank you, Megan. I love that. So um, family business dynamic is, um, I think, you know, if if anyone listening is from a family business, you know that it has like some awesome dynamics and some really fun and challenging dynamics. What, um, what family dynamics contribute to the best bath culture that you are leading today? Jeez. Um, uh, there's so much to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll try and make it succinct. My, I, I, I'm, I do what I do because of my father and truth be told, I ne- I'm not passionate about bathing and I, thank God this is a podcast, um, but I think <laughs> bathing is important, mm-hmm. um, but I'm passionate about people and when I... My father gave me some advice and some of it was good. And the best advice he ever gave me was just study what you are passionate about. And that was music. So I took the music passion. And when I wasn't on tour, I started chopping fiberglass from my father on the, on the factory floor because I needed a job. And I became very proud of the people in the organization and what we were doing to help others. Uh, Not just, yeah, there was an empowering message behind the value that we created in the product, but there was also a powerful message in like how we take care of each other and how we take care of each other, if we can take care of each other, then there's a chance that we can take care of the customer. But if we can't take care of each other, then there's no chance that we can take care of the customer, in my opinion. Uh, So there's that. Um, You know, my father was also very, how, how do I say it? He, he was, uh, he's very competitive. Yeah. And um, in fact, he would say everything in life is a competition. Okay. And so that made it very difficult for my sister and I. Uh, because we also, he, like when he was saying these things, um, we also, my sister and I also knew that he was saying, well, gosh, I need to pass this on to somebody and maybe it's just one of you. So then the gloves came off and we were battling it out for supremacy. 
And to be honest, um, it, it took a lot of open conversations with us around what we really want and who we really want to serve. And once we were able to have some of those difficult conversations, that's when things kind of opened up to us around like, well, let's, let's take this into the next generation. Let's, let's serve the employee, the employees, let's serve the customers. Uh, and it's not about me and my sister. It's, it's not about any one person here. The organization is bigger than, than all of us. And it serves a greater purpose. I, um, I, very much appreciate that um, you and Megan have figured out clearly how to do that well, right? At being that co um, co chair CEO seat. Um, what would you say, just so that it um, our listeners can understand, um, what is your what is your strengths and what are her strengths, and how does that like make it magical when you're together? Well. First, I'll say, I don't think we figured it out. Okay, uh, that's like an honest answer. <laughs> but, but we are figuring it out and that's what it takes, right? It, it yeah. takes a commitment from both of us. Um, we do have different strengths, but we also have similar strengths. Okay. And as soon as we've delineated roles and responsibilities and especially once we became co-CEOs we realized that I realized uh, she um, and she would say, probably say the same that when we had different areas of responsibility we were kind of still competing and so once we said well it's our job to do this together and we're going to do this together. And we may default on one's opinion over the other. Um, there may be times when she's really convicted and I am less than so okay. or, or vice versa, but we give each other space and we take the time we have a, an, an agreement about like, well, what if we just can't agree and how are we going to move forward? Yeah. We've never had to use that. Uh, we've always been able to say, we're going to move forward in um, like, we've always been able to come to some kind of terms, but it comes through conversation. It comes through, being vulnerable, being honest. Uh, and, you know, sometimes it may be a little bit slower, but I honestly believe that two minds are better than one. And I genuinely think that we come to better agreements and a faster resolution because of that. Mm -hmm. um, your 
you know, I often say that, you know, one plus one does equal three and it should often. And so when sometimes when I, I think about working with organizations that have two people in charge, having that understanding about how do we agree to disagree? How do we agree when we agree? How do we um, step back and allow someone to make the decision, even if it's not exactly what I would have wanted, they're more passionate about it, or they're more convicted over like what the outcome should be. And I would imagine that you might even have a dynamic where um, that she's the sounding board and the strategic thinking partner that actually helps you make decisions faster as she would be that for you as well. Right. So that dynamic being. Oh, totally. It's, um, you know, sometimes like people are like, well, who's the visionary and who's the operator? Um, but it's exactly as you said, it, it, we're, we're both and that's okay. Right. Um, there are certain areas where I'll default to her and she might default to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but the challenge comes when I feel strongly in an area where she may have more prowess, more experience and vice versa. And we just are able to sit in a space where we can work through it. Okay. That's fantastic. Um, you said 1965. So 69, mm-hmm. 69. So 70, oh, so 50, a little, little more than 50 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is a fantastic run. Is your father still in the business today? Mm, yeah. Yes. I totally understood what you just said. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be that coy. Retired and um, in every day. <laughs> you know, it's his baby. Yeah. And so were you guys though? I, I, I think he would say that he is so happy to be able to step away because I mean, to be honest with you, the comp- the company's performing very well. Um, but he's still very interested. Yeah. So, yeah, he's, he's, um, my sister and I have bought him or buying him out. Um, we'll buy him out probably until the day he dies and that's okay. Uh, but, um, I'm grateful for the fact that he can be a guiding influence, but also absent in the, in the way that he is. And it's been working very well. That's, that's fantastic. I would consider just, you know, feeling like the company's being successful and you both are being successful, which allows everyone underneath you to be successful. Like that's a, that's a win in a succession plan at the end of the day, for sure. I, uh, yeah, you know, uh, it's, we all need to be successful. Right. And so I think in my opinion, which I don't have many experiences like taking over new businesses, but if, uh, if we can all feel comfortable, it's, and it's a win, win, win. It's, it's not only a win for the family or the transition, even if it's not a family business. Right. But it's got to be a win for the organization as a whole. It's got to be a win for the customers. It's got to be a win for even the suppliers. 
I would agree with that. Um, so you have been there, you've had quite a career there um, in doing diverse positions. Um, I think in my research, I found out you started as a production assistant and now obviously serving as co-CEO with Megan. Um, can you tell us what the most significant challenges and lessons you've learned along the way? The biggest challenge I had was, and you know, father was a heart patient. Uh, and so he was, he was serving as owner and, and CEO, um, even though he, uh, he was not able to work in that capacity, really. The feds showed up at our building and they said we were in major violation. I was, um, and that's really, I think, where I earned my stripes in the organization was understanding that we had common ground. You know, I wanted, the, the Fed said we were out of compliance. Well, I wanted to be in compliance and that's what they wanted. Um, uh, I was able to demonstrate to them that I'm not manufacturing any of this data. It's just that, you know, we've failed to report it to you. Okay. Overcoming that significant challenge, I think, was kind of my big crazy aha moment where it's like, well, gosh, I mean, I guess if we like, if we work hard, we want to do right, we can find a way. Did you find um, under, I mean, that's just a very distressing, I mean, any the federal government shows up at your door any day, that feels like a really bad day, right? Um, I love the perspective that like, like, okay, here we are. How do we own this and how do we move forward? Was that an easy process? As easier than trying to fight it. Um, for me, yeah, I guess okay. it was. Okay. Um, because, I mean, look, I'm a long-haired hippie, you know. So, like, of course, I don't. I mean, I don't want to harm the environment. And I was just demonstrating them that, hey, I'm not a major violator. I just need to figure out how to report report to you and work when and I, I need to understand it this and that was you know it was difficult for me but it was easy for me to have those conversations and I guess I'd have to give the feds uh credit too like um they were like well yeah we we also want you to be successful we we're not here to be punitive you know we we just like, let's do things the way things sh we think sh things should be done. Okay, well, let, let me understand the rules and I'll play by the rules. Mm -hmm. Good, I'm, I'm glad. Wait, um, how many, how long ago was that? That was 10 years ago. Okay, so a decade. So mm -hmm. a, de a decade later, um, how do you apply that learning or that type of learning to what you're doing today?
very similar in the sense that I want what's best for all of us. I genuinely want that. I, I authentically want that. And so um, when, you know, we have a challenge with an employee, like, okay, let's, let's be honest. Let's, let's lay it out all out on the table. Um, here's what I've discovered about all my problems is that I am the common denominator. And so, you know, um, I'm very quick to look at myself first and figure out, okay, like, how can I improve this situation? What, what, what can I, what's my role? What can I do before I look at others to say, well, this is what I think you should do. And this is what I think that about that. Um, I'm usually happy to express my opinions about those types of things, but, but I, I try and be more aware about what I'm doing and, and what I can contribute. And I've found that, I mean, that's, that's what worked for me in that role. That's what worked. That's what's worked for me in, in life and in business. Um, I, um, I appreciate, I appreciate it. So few people that actually, I, pro I probably shouldn't say that it takes people sometimes a little bit longer to realize that the common denominator is often ourselves. And so I just feel like that's a very mature leadership perspective for you to have. Um, so kudos for that. Um, how long have you, how long have you and Megan been in the role of co-CEO? I'd say about five years now. Um, and there was some ebbs and some flows in there. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I'd say, yeah, uh, it's been about five years. And, and I'd say the last three years have been really strong. I think we really came together during COVID. Yeah. Um, and it was a really great rallying cry, I think, for us. You know, we were, we were thinking, well, you know, how do we do what's best for all? How do we do what's best? Uh, and since then, um, and we've also both done a lot of personal work. I mean, I shouldn't speak for her. I've done a lot of personal work, but um, I think, I think she has too. And like, I think that's what it takes. I, I think it takes patience it takes understanding it takes gratitude um i think we can overcome significant challenges if we're willing to i would say that um having be you know being named the idaho state small business person of the year is obviously a remarkable achievement right and um, I'm sure that there's some insights that you can provide that contribute to the success of that part of entrepreneurship. I think you just listed a few of those like values and characteristics. Um, but that is such a huge honor. So congratulations on that, um, that nomination. Thank you. Um, and again, I'll, I'll deflect and say, you know, um, the SBA the Small Business Administration does not 
designate um, family ownership. So we won that as a family. And I'll just say like uh, how um, I, I think that's just kind of a testament to us sticking together and working together. And the I think one of the best lessons my father taught me was um, greed and ego is the, are the two things that'll really sink you as a as, as a person and especially a business owner. So um, I'll just try my best to stay out of that mindset of, of greed and ego. And yeah, I don't do this alone. Okay. Yes. So Jay, looking ahead, what are either the key opportunities that you see ahead or the key challenges regarding accessible solutions in our industry? And what are you doing to position Best Bath for those? Cool question. Um, there's so much. Uh, let me let me talk about this in a very general level first. Sure. So um, we are in the plastics industry. And what's great about plastics are they're cheap and they last forever. But that's also what's not so great about plastics. So um, we build shower products to last the lifetime of the building. And, and so um, we want to build beautiful, safe, universal bathing solutions for anybody. Um, be, I like plastics is not great for disposable use, even though it's cheap. But I think because of that, the future, you know, m most people don't know that plastics, uh, like fiberglass, for example, um, a fiberglass reinforced composite is stronger than steel by weight. And it's, really? uh, um, and it, so we can build buildings out of, uh, out of this material instead of using steel. It's, um, it's more flexible too. And so like, it's uh, like, it has incredible properties when you think about like, well, what about the seismic issues, uh, especially that we experience on the West coast or what about the, um, so when it comes to infrastructure and I, I think there's a huge opportunity there. Um, and we at Best Bath have also started experimenting with some of that. Um, we've been working. Are you saying you're doing housing? Are you saying you're doing housing? So we're doing um, fa uh, facades, like architectural, like, okay. so uh, um, let's talk about uh, Cinderella's castle. Okay. So the, the trick question they ask is, well, how many bricks did it take to build Cinderella's castle? And the answer is, well, not none. It was made out of fiberglass. When you go to like the Matterhorn is the same way. When you go, like when you go to Las Vegas and you see all the cool architectural structures, like they're all made out of fiberglass. 
but they all stop at four stories. And that's because of the international building code. Uh, we've, uh, we're able to build a structure that can now surpass the mm -hmm. fire code. Um, in fact, we supplied a pro uh, project on the Lower East Side of Manhattan um, that was seven stories where they they wanted a glass building, but they wanted a, a facade that looked like a curtain. And um, for class, you can do that with we we can we can do that now. Um, so that's kind that's I think what's next. Um, so building products, but infrastructure, I mean, roads and we can replace steel beams and it'll be more reliable. It'll, it'll be, it'll last longer. I'm, I'm not saying that best bath is going to get into that, but that's where the industry is going. Okay. That's fascinating. That's a fun takeaway from today. Did you do Cinderella's castle? Did you make that? No, um, no but, uh, but when they're ready, you can do that. <laughs> That's great. Jay, I have really appreciated um, your sharing today and the vision that you have for Best Bath. And just congratulations to the family for the good work that they're doing right here in Idaho and east of the Mississippi. That's fantastic. Thank oh. you so much for joining us here today. Well, thank you so much, Allison. It's been awesome.